how can we forget? Today's hashtag skip the straw day. So of course follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. It's at Voice of Nigeria. Von Skip comes up now. It's eight hours Greenwich Mean Time. The time now is 9 a.m. local time, 8 hours GMT. Welcome to Vonscope, our program of news, views, comments, and analysis from Voice of Nigeria, Abuja. You can listen to this broadcast on www.von.gov.ng. Nigeria joins the rest of the world to celebrate World Peace Day. Now, what significance is today? Uh, bringing collaboration among Nigerians hailing from different religious, cultures, and geography. The stating for details of this and more stories in the course of the program Von Scope. And now the headlines. Nigeria's National Economic Council takes steps to ensure food security. Senegalese president to stand down on 2nd April. Hamas delegation leaves Egypt after talks. Details of these and more will be coming up, including news, commentary, economic, spot news, today in history, and African proverbs in the course of the program. To stay tuned, the program is Von Scope, and I am Rebecca Yunusa Avia. And on the program, usually, we start with the World News Bulletin. The National Economic Council in Nigeria has taken bold steps to ensure food security and put an end to the economic challenges confronting the country. Some of the solutions being considered include making fertilizer available to farmers and the establishment of agro-rangers to tackle insecurity in farms. The decision was taken during the 139th meeting of the council held virtually and chaired by Vice, uh, Nigeria's Vice President Kashim Shatima. Addressing the council, the Vice President said with collective efforts to developing a clear and actionable roadmap through short-term, medium and long-term strategies, Nigeria will overcome its economic challenges in the country. Now away from food security, Nigeria's president, Bola Tinubu, has commended the recent landing of a 45,000-kilometer submarine fiber optic cable in Akwaibom State, which establishes connectivity for the Niger Delta region of Nigeria with Europe and other parts of Africa via the Atlantic Ocean. President Tinubu has also said that with the right policies, partnerships and determination, Nigeria can overcome long-standing developmental challenges that have hindered rapid progress across sectors. Receiving a delegation from the Corporate Council on Africa led by its president, Florizele Lisa in Abuja, Nigeria's capital, President Tinubu reiterated his commitment to his country's economic growth and stability, emphasizing that he is not relenting until his vision for Nigeria is achieved. 
Well, still on technological development, the uh, National Assembly in Nigeria says leveraging on set- satellite technology will unlock Nigeria's development and economic potential. The Deputy Speaker, National House of Representatives Benjamin Kalu, stated this at the official launch of the Nigerian Communication Satellite Limited Accelerator Program, which with a theme, Fostering Innovation in Satellite Technology, organized by the agency in Abuja, Nigeria's capital. The 24-week comprehensive program is an initiative aimed at fostering innovation, providing mentorship and propelling space tech startups into the global spotlight. Mr. Carlos said satellite technology can provide long-term solutions through innovations to the challenges Nigeria is facing. He said the launch of the program signifies a giant step for Nigeria's technological advancement and economic diversification. Senegalese President Macky Sall says he will stand down on April sec, April 2, when his term is due to end, but it is still unclear when elections will be held to elect his successor. He said the date of the elections will depend on the planned national dialogue that is set to begin and which includes civil society groups, political parties and candidates. Mr. Sal's announcement assuages fears that he was planning to extend his term amid a political crisis. He said he would consider freeing his rivals, including opposition figure Osman Sonko, whose detention led to nationwide protests last year. A Hamas delegation led by the group's political leader Ismail Haniyeh has left Egypt after three days of discussions in the capital Cairo. According to a Hamas statement, the delegation met Israeli officials and the head of Egypt's intelligence service Abbas Kamel and discussed the ceasefire agreement which would involve the release of Israeli captives and Palestinian prisoners. Also discussed was the flow of humanitarian aid into northern Gaza and ongoing tensions at the al Aqsa Mosque in occupied East Jerusalem, where Israeli forces have prevented Muslims from going to worship in recent weeks. The White House coordinator for the Middle East and North Africa was also in Egypt this week for talks. And finally, on the world news, an American company has made history by becoming the first commercial outfit to put a spacecraft on the moon. Houston-based Intuitive Machines landed its Odysseus robot near the lunar south pole. Odysseus touched down at 23.23 GMT. It took some minutes for controllers to establish that the craft was down, but eventually a signal was received. Flight director Tim Crane said without a doubt, the equipment is on the surface of the moon and transmitting. And that's the world news. If you've just joined us, the program is Von Scope, reaching you from Voice of Nigeria. The Nigerian government has reiterated its commitment to the sustenance of small businesses in the country. The Minister of Information and National Orientation, Mohamed Idris, made the disclosure at the opening of a forum on job creation organized by the Office of the Senior Special Advisor to the President on Job Creation, Micro, Small and Medium Enterprises. State House Correspondent Timothy Choji was there for Voice of Nigeria. His report. 
The Information and National Orientation Minister Muhammad Idris was represented on the occasion by the Director General Voice of Nigeria Malam Jibrin Ndache. The minister betrayed the commitment of President Bola Tinubu's administration to enhancing businesses in Nigeria in order to boost the nation's gross domestic product GDP. He adds that the development of micro, small and medium enterprises MSMEs is a needed pillar for national development. MDAs responsible for job creation and development of MSMEs have started rolling out various initiatives to attain Mr. President's objective for this sector. The Prime Minister of Industry, Trade and Investment recently announced that it will be unveiling a groundbreaking innovation aimed at revolutionizing the job market and fostering greater employment opportunities for Nigerians through establishment of National Job Center. The minister further disclosed that President Tinubu is poised to unlock the business potentials of the country. The federal government also launched a national talent program to advance job creation, skill development, talent export, and job outsourcing, which will create about one million jobs within five years. The job is currently engaging and signing MOUs with world-class organizations and government to implement this program. NATEX represents a significant milestone in our commitment to unlocking the full potential of our nation's human capital and promoting economic growth and prosperity for all. The information minister, who highlighted his task of enlightening the public on the initiatives and programs of government, used the opportunity to encourage the media to project the good image of the country as well as defend democracy. Our role as watchdog of society and government remain very critical to the success of democracy. As journalists and media practitioners, we have a role to share positive narrative about our country. We are not saying that Nigeria is a perfect country, so we have a responsibility to continue to share very positive narrative about our country. I will also encourage the media to utilize their platform to highlight success story by showcasing the achievements and contribution of individuals and organizations. You can inspire others and catalyze positive change within our society. Other dignitaries that graced the occasion included the Deputy Chief of Staff to the Vice President, Ibrahim Hadeja, Minister of Digital Economy and Innovation, Boson Tijani, and Senior Special Assistant to the President on Job Creation and MSMEs, Temitola Adekunle Johnson, among others. In Abuja, Nigeria's capital city, this is Timothy Choji reporting for Voice of Nigeria. Every year, people across the globe celebrate World Peace and Understanding Day on 23 February with great splendor. The World Peace and Understanding Day, also termed a special day, has its own importance, encourages harmony, compassion and collaboration among individuals hailing from different religious, cultures and geography. Voice of Nigeria uh, went round the city to get people view on how significant this day is. So we do apologize for not getting that. Uh, we promise to bring it to you as soon as it comes up. One of the most important aspects of World Peace and Understanding Day is focus on peace building. The day promotes peace and conflict resolution. The significance of World Peace and Understanding Day is that it aims to promote a more inclusive and peaceful world where all can live and prosper together by encouraging mutual tolerance despite cultural diversity. 
And on food security, foodstuff has been identified as a critical issue that affects millions of people worldwide. And Nigeria is not an exemption. Beg your pardon, Nigeria is not an exception. As an Africa's most populous country and one with significant agricultural potentials, Nigeria is currently facing numerous challenges in ensuring that its population has access to sufficient, safe and nutritious food. And to address this urgent problem, the Nigerian Senate says it will do everything possible to support the executive arm in addressing food insecurity in the country. National Assembly correspondent Lekon Shawande has more in this report. Last week, the Senate summoned the economic team of President Bola Ahmed Tinumbu administration over rising cost of living in Nigeria. Mr. Edun, as the coordinating minister of the economy, told the legislators that the economy is far better now than how President Tinumbu met it on May 29, 2023. He said a lot has been done in agriculture and food production, which would help tame the food inflation and overall inflation. While examining the current situation at the plenary, the Senate expressed worries over the country's poor economy, hunger, and depreciation in the value of the Naira. The senators promised to support President Tinumbu government to ensure that the problems currently facing the nation are resolved soon. The Deputy Senate President, Senator Jubrin Barrow, commended President Tinumbu for ordering the release of food from the statutory grains reserves and urged the state government to assist the federal government in doing the same to reduce food shortages. The President has directed that food should be released from strategic reserves of the federal government. Now, we want the state government to also make the same pronouncement. Let them also come with their own money. Let's local government also come along. Let's hear what the state governments will do. Let's hear what the local governments will do. Let's not leave all this problem on the shoulder of the federal government. Former Senate President Senator Ahmed Lawan advised the senators to legislate on issues that will reduce the suffering of the citizens. This belongs to the medium-term or long-term action that we need to take. How are we going to provide food for Nigerians and protect their lives from today. President of the Senate, Senator Goswil Akpabio, urged Nigerians to be patient with the government as the National Assembly will continue to support any action being taken to address the current situation. I think people need to be patient with government, but rather look at what we are doing. As a Senate and as a National Assembly, we cannot sit back and allow our people to be hungry. And so we must do everything. If what we are producing right now is not sufficient, we can't sit back and say, oh, no importation by the private sector. If we need to even look at the issue of closure of borders, we should do so. If that will assist us to make sure that food is available. From the National Assembly Abuja, Lekon Shawande reporting for Voice of Nigeria. The African Union leaders in session resolved to intensify awareness for strong regional and continental platforms where national development challenges such as geographical, logistics and security are taken into account. In today's news commentary titled Gains from the 37th African Union Summit written by Temi Tokpe Mustafa, takes a look at building resilient education systems for increased access to inclusive, lifelong, quality and relevant learning in Africa. 
Recently, African leaders converged on Addis Ababa, Ethiopia for the 37th Ordinary Session of the African Union AU Assembly of Heads of State and Government. The theme of the summit was Educate an African Fit for the 21st Century, Building Resilient Education Systems for Increased Access to Inclusive, Lifelong, Quality and Relevant Learning in Africa. The two-day meeting came at a time when the continent is threatened by hunger, militarization of states and non-state actors, high population density with increasing rates of youth unemployment and food insecurity. The AU Assembly of Heads of State and Government identified the challenges be dividing the continent to include political and institutional instability, climate change, deficits in economic governance, poverty, marginalization of women and youths in development and leadership processes in the political and social systems. The summit also deliberated on ways to improve education and develop skills to meet the continental idea and the job space needs. President Azali Asomane, the chairperson of the the 37th summit in session highlighted the necessity for improved determination to stimulate continental stability and growth. Osamani's concerns were based on the need for the preservation of peace and security on the continent. The summit reached a consensus that peace in Africa remained the foundation for realizing Vision 2063 to guarantee a united and prosperous Africa. The AU leaders in session resolved to intensify awareness for strong regional and continental platforms where national development challenges such as geographical, logistics and security are taken into account. They called for the advancement of Africa's socio-economic and infrastructure integration that will ensure increased infrastructure connectivity between African countries through roads, airports, rail networks, pipelines and communication networks. This is for the purpose of linking communities, increasing trade and enabling economic integration in line with the African Continental Free Trade Area, AFCFTA, set targets. It is expected that this would fast-track the realization of key development ambitions in line with AU Agenda 2063. The 37th Summit acknowledged that education in Africa is in serious crisis and emphasized that progress towards the attainment of Sustainable Development Goal 4 on education, SDG4 needs must be enhanced. Through its Continental Education Strategy for Africa, CESA, the AU will expand access to not just to quality education, but also to education that is relevant to the needs of the continent following the increasing population of the continent. The AU through CESA seeks to reinvigorate education on the continent via the expansion of tertiary education, research and innovation to address continental challenges and to promote global competitiveness. To achieve these measures, AU called for a comprehensive and effective literacy campaigns across Africa. President Bola Ahmed Tinubu, who was attending the AU meeting for the first time as Nigeria's leader, was appointed as champion for human resources for health and community health delivery partnership by the Africa Center for Disease Control and Prevention. The appointment of President Tinubu was on the recommendation of Committee of Heads of State and Government of Africa in recognition of his ambitious, innovative and people-focused efforts in impacting the Nigerian health sector positively through significant reforms. Addressing the Ministerial Executive Leadership Program, MELP, under the theme, Impactful Leadership in Health, a Whole Government Approach, 
President Sinubu tasked African leaders to forge effective collaboration with the rest of the world to tackle existential health challenges facing the continent. The Nigerian leader emphasized the need for Africa to forge partnerships that transcend borders and sectors and leverage on collective expertise, knowledge and resources to improve health matters in Africa. Following Africa's struggle with numerous health issues like HIV-AIDS, tuberculosis, cholera and threats of re-emerging infectious diseases that require urgent attention, the new health champion ambassador identified access to essential healthcare services as areas that heads of government should work with the private sector to address. On the critical need to address high maternal and child mortality rates, which has continued to ravage lives on the continent, President Tinubu advocated the establishment of synergy with the rest of the world towards tackling the existing health problems on the continent. The Nigerian leader emphasized that addressing these challenges require a multifaceted approach that involves a robust investment in healthcare infrastructure. Also, training and retraining, skilled manpower retention, improved access to essential medicines, and promoting preventive healthcare measures necessary for the desired results in improving the health sector in Africa are also fundamental. If African leaders demonstrate determination, commitment, and the political will to the implementation of the decisions reached at the just-concluded summit, then the coming years will witness a new era of prosperity in the continent and its people. Well, that news commentary on Nigeria gains from the 37th African Union Summit was written by Timmy Tokpe Mustafa and presented by Feyi Oye Banji. So listening to Von Scopo have our news magazine from Voice of Nigeria and for economic news, here is Jennifer Ina. Nigeria's gross domestic product GDP grew by 3.46% year-on-year in real terms in the fourth quarter of 2023. Latest reports from the National Bureau of Statistics reveal that the growth rate was lower than the 3.52% recorded in the fourth quarter of 2022, but higher than the third quarter of 2023 growth of 2.54%. The Bureau said the performance of the GDP in the fourth quarter of 2023 was driven mainly by the services sector, which recorded a growth of 3.98% and contributed 56.55% to the aggregate GDP. According to the reports, the agriculture sector grew by 2.10% from the growth of 2.05% recorded in the fourth quarter of 2022. In order to enhance food security in Lagos State and Nigeria, the state government is currently building the largest logistics hub in the whole of sub-Saharan Africa. The governor of Lagos State, Mr. Babajide Samwolu, who discloses during a media chat on economic hardship in Lagos State, southwest Nigeria, stated that the logistics hub, which is meant to be a storage of agricultural produce, is 65% complete. You know, all the massive, massive warehouses you know, that we're building there, they have all been roofed. What are we planning to do? We're planning to build a storage facility, cold, dry facility that can help push produce and products to our citizens, using that up as a receiver, you know, of, of large produce. So we're going to be having even trading, you know, facilities there. This is the hope that we'll be doing things like the aggregator, ensure that all of the young people that are coming from Benue, you know, all of the tomato that are, they can have uptake from there. They can know that once they're coming, there's somebody that will write the check. The ones that will not go to the market because of perishability, you know, and, and storage will have the opportunity to stay in that facility. He added that the facility will be completed before the end of this year. 
And finally, on economic news, the World Bank has given Zambia and Tanzania a 270 million US dollar grant to help them improve transportation and trade connectivity. The World Bank country manager for Zambia, Achim Fok, in a statement said the project is a significant commitment to regional trade and transportation. He explained that the grant will help to improve transportation and trade connectivity along the Es Salaam corridor between the two countries as part of the six-year transport corridors for economic resilience project. Fox said the transport corridors will improve the efficiency, connectivity and climate resilience of key regional transport and trade corridors in eastern and southern Africa. And that's our round of economic news. I am Jennifer Ina. Now let's join Otniel Kanes for sports update. We begin from cricket where Nigeria's men's and women's senior cricket teams face tough draws in the group stages of the upcoming 13th African Games in Ghana from March 8th to 24th. Cricket is debuting at the Games with seven out of the 18 International Cricket Council's associate member countries including Nigeria, host Ghana, Tanzania, Rwanda, Kenya, Uganda and Namibia as well as two full ICC members, South Africa and Zimbabwe, doing the battle at the Achimota Cricket Ground in Accra. In the men's event, Nigeria in Group B with Namibia, Zimbabwe and Tanzania. The Yellow Greens are the least-ranked team in the group, and the recent meetings against the teams at the T20 World Cup qualifiers last year produced only one win against Tanzania for Steve Tikolo's men. Nigeria are currently ranked 38 in the world and will open the contest in the group against Tanzania ranked 33rd on March 17th before facing the highest-ranked team in the group, Namibia, on March 18th. Their last group game is against Zimbabwe ranked 13 two days later. In the women's event, Nigeria in Group A alongside South Africa, Namibia, and Tanzania. Just like the Yellow Greens, the female Yellow Greens are also behind their opponents in rankings. The first game will be against Tanzania, ranked 19th, on March 7th, after both sides must have weighed each other at the Nigeria Cricket Federation T20 Invitational Tournament in Lagos next week. The vice chairman of the Bielsa State Athletics Association, Dr. Kola Oredi was at the National Athletics Trials in Asaba, told newsmen that Bielsa State was on a journey to return as powerhouse of athletics in Nigeria. And that's the most you can take on sports news. I am Otniel Kanis. It's now time to take a look at what happened on this day in history. Oh, we apologize for not getting today in history, and that's because of some uh, technical issues. Well, African proverbs for today says, A fowl never forgets who trims its feathers during the raining season. Hmm. An individual will always remember the assistance received during difficult times. You may not understand or know how powerful it is to You may not understand and know how powerful it is to help someone during their difficult times. Now before we end this edition of Vanscope, let's join Margaret Ebeshi for weather forecast. This is the weather forecast across Africa for Friday, 23rd February, 2024. Nigerian Meteorological Agency, NIMET, predicts sunny and hazy conditions to the northern and central cities with slim prospects of thunderstorms to the Federal Capital Territory, FCT. The inland cities of the south and the coastal cities will be cloudy with spells of sunshine. However, morning rains are expected over parts of Lagos State. Later in the day, better prospects of thunderstorms are expected to Ogun, Oyo, Edo, Cross River, Bayelsa, Delta, Enugu, and Ibonyi State. 
General temperatures will range from 31 to 39 degrees Celsius across the country. Across Africa, Pra, Cape Verde in West Africa will have thundery showers with a temperature of about 31 degrees Celsius. Victoria, Sichils in East Africa will be sunny with a temperature of about 10 degrees Celsius. Rabat, Morocco in North Africa will have rain showers with a temperature of about 16 degrees Celsius. In Central Africa, Njamena Chad will also be sunny with a temperature of about 35 degrees Celsius. And in Southern Africa, Maseru, Lesotho will have sunny skies with a temperature of about 31 degrees Celsius. That's today's weather forecast across selected cities in Africa. Remember the effects of climate change and do your part to promote green energy. I am Margaret Ibishi. Well, thank you, Margaret. And to end this edition of Vance Copa Recap of our major stories, the National Economic Council has taken bold steps to ensure food security and put an end to the economic challenges confronting Nigeria. Senegal President Macky Sall has said he will stand down on 2nd April when his term is due to end, but it is still unclear when elections will be held to elect his successor. A Hamas delegation led by the group's political leader Ismail Haniya has left Egypt after three days of discussions in the capital Cairo. You can listen to Voice of Nigeria on www.von.gov.ng. You can also send your comments or observations to englishphone at yahoo.com or vonigeria880 at gmail.com. The program was produced by Margaret Akolo. And I am Rebecca Yunusa Avia, thanking you so much for being part of the program. And don't go away, as more programs will be coming to you from Voice of Nigeria. Nigerians. Say no to violence. Let's rise and defeat violence, crime, and sabotage against the peace of our nation. Nigeria is the only country we have. We must do everything to keep it united. We must avoid any act that promotes hate and disintegration. For safety at home, still be security conscious. Educate your household on safety tips. Report all suspicious movements and persons to the security agencies nearest to you. Be a good citizen. Be patriotic. This message is from the Department of State Services, DSS. In the words of Bill Bryson, we forget just how painfully dim the world was before electricity. A candle, a single candle, provides barely a hundredth of the illumination of a single 100-watt light bulb. The importance of electricity in the day-to-day life of man cannot be overemphasized. It's become a vital aspect of everyday living to provide usable energy for lighting and powering devices, tools and appliances. Electricity is the most common form of energy. 
Hello and welcome to another edition of Lifeline, a quarter-hour program that looks at various measures put in place by the government, private sector operators, and individuals to improve Nigeria's energy and power sectors. On this edition, we'll be taking another look at the new Electricity Act. In the course of doing this, we'll take a look at what the Nigerian government and stakeholders are doing to improve the power sector and advance its growth and development. My name is Angela Agwegi. Stay with us for details. Nigeria's power sector has gone through its fair share of ups and downs over the last several decades, and successive governments have tried over the years to improve on electricity generation, transmission, and distribution. A major milestone to actualizing this occurred with the passage of the Electricity Reforms Bill 2022 on the 27th of July 2023 by the Nigerian House of Representatives and the Senate on November 14, 2023, which was subsequently signed into an act by Nigeria's President Bolakmed Tinubu. This translated to the power sector being opened up to investors such as state governments and private individuals who have the capacity to generate and distribute electricity effectively. This also created the need to improve the existing infrastructure and improve generation, transmission and distribution of electricity. Bode Fadikwe is the chief executive officer of Sage Consults and Communications. He shares with us what this law pertains for the power sector. Again we've delved into a very very crucial area again for which we must commend Mr President because I think from my own record Mr President signed that bill into an act of the National Assembly uh, 11 days into its inauguration and that stems from the fact that it is something he had always wanted to do even as the governor of Lagos state if we remember if we recall that history so for us to realize it now well is is better late than never so i must admit that that's a radical position but the extent to which it will resolve our problem is a matter of the attitude that the subnationals by which i mean the states the attitude they have towards that issue uh, on paper is a fantastic is a fantastic idea the law is there it's a policy instrument that should galvanize the sector but in action there are still so many things to be resolved all of these states all of the 36 states of the federation including the federal capital territory which is also treated as a state for the purpose of things like this will still need to pass their own electricity law The idea of granting autonomy to states toward the generation and transmission as well as distribution of their own electricity is a welcome development. If this had been done a long time ago, the state of electricity might have been better off than it is at the moment. This means that states can now generate, transmit and distribute electricity in their various enclaves, independent of the national grid. This will no doubt assist the federal government in improving electricity generation, creation of employment, as well as improving the economies of these states. Professor Yamioke is a professor of energy and electricity law at the University of Lagos State, Southwest Nigeria. He speaks to us on the law. Now that we have on paper though, the fact that state now can generate, transmit and distribute in respect of areas covered by a national grid. Nigerians will not ask federal government the question now 
they're going to put states to task. Meaning, now, the law is that states can generate, transmit, and distribute electricity in respect of areas not covered by a national grid. That is one. Two, with the new amendment, states have powers to generate, transmit, and distribute electricity, also in respect of areas covered by a national grid. So the implication is that the states are now institutionally challenged. They have serious institutional challenge on them, be it on-grid or off-grid, you look forward and look up to your state to give you electricity. I'll be honest in saying it may take years or it may take decades. Legal provisions, enacting laws, signing into law constitutional amendment mm-hmm. would not ordinarily translate into economic prosperity or social progress in any country. So you need to put life, meaning, and purpose to the law to have meaningful impact on the masses. The law enabling states within the Nigerian Federation to generate electricity is seen by many as a step into a brighter future and is also seen as an enabler toward improving the economies of those states through the availability of electricity to power small, medium and large industries. This opportunity has been seized by the Oyo State Government in southwest Nigeria as they key into this goal of transforming the energy sector for the betterment of Nigerians. This was made known when the Nigerian Minister of Power, Adebayo Adelabu, paid a courtesy visit to the state. Shei Makinde is the governor of Oyo State and he had this to say. For us, make any meaningful impact in the power sector in Nigeria, all hands must be on deck to ensure that the challenges associated with power generation and transmission in Nigeria are a thing of the past. Players in the power sector must practice synergy for this dream of realizing available, reliable and sustainable electricity supply. Nigeria's Minister of Power, Adebayo Adelabu, has pledged the commitment of the Nigerian government at the federal level to ensure the success of this initiative. And I'm beginning from your states to discuss areas of collaboration, areas of cooperation, areas of partnership to move the power sector forward and deliver the of democracy to our people. 
whether at state or the federal level. We have all promised quarter and that we are going to build reliable, stable, functional, affordable, and uninterrupted power supply to our people. So it's a joint responsibility and it's a joint pledge for both the federal and the state governments. All I'm promising is gradual, steady, accelerated, and sustainable improvements on a daily basis. Our target is our today power sector should be better than our yesterday, and our tomorrow should be better than today. If we can achieve this consistently over the next couple of years, we're going to witness significant improvement in power sector in Nigeria. It's never enough to make promises. They must be kept. As creating an avenue for mistrust to take hold won't serve in the best interest of either party. This wasn't the case for the governor of Oyo State, Shei Makinde. He kept to his promise of ensuring that his state keys into that area of power generation. This he did through the signing of the Oyo Electricity Regulatory Bill. This bill is geared toward creating a platform to enable the state and other stakeholders interested in generating and distributing electricity in Oyo State to have a legal framework and platform to guide them in doing so. Shay Makinde speaks. Uh, this is uh, a promise uh, kept. With this law, we can, uh, as uh, a state, develop uh, our own roadmap to sustainable uh, electricity uh, for the state. And uh, when we keep talking about uh, federalism, you know, the practice of federalism in Nigeria, uh, the evolution of uh, uh, responsibilities, you know, to the states. There's no uh, for the state, and uh, when we keep talking about uh, federalism, you know, the practice of federalism in Nigeria, uh, the evolution of uh, uh, responsibilities, you know, to the states. There's no decision, as well as economic and industrial growth for the nation. This is where we end this edition of the program Lifeline, where we took another look at the new Electricity Act. We look forward to reading your comments, suggestions and observations on today's edition. And you can send them in by writing to the producer of Lifeline at Voice of Nigeria Broadcasting House, P.O. Box 5089 Wusi Post Office, Abuja, Nigeria, Federal Capital Territory, or Broadcasting House, PNB 40003, Falamo Ikoi, Lagos, Nigeria. You can also reach us via email. It's vonenglishproducers at gmail.com. Check out the Voice of Nigeria website at www.von.gov.ng for live streaming of all of our programs and updates on what's happening with Nigeria's power and energy sector. Connect with us on Facebook. Our page is Von Newscast. You can also reach us on X, formerly known as Twitter, on the handle at Voice of Nigeria. Production was by Victor Yaku. Sunday Big Bay manned the audio console and my name is 
Angela Agbegi. As we sign out, we'll leave you with these words from Piyush Goyal. Electricity can transform people's lives, not just economically, but also socially. Stay put. There's much more coming up from Voice of Nigeria. A rhythm of love from Nigeria, the country that defines the future of Africa. Voice of Nigeria, your authoritative choice. From Voice of Nigeria, we welcome you to Bonds of Harmony, a quarter-hour feature in which we look at ways Nigerians from different geopolitical and ethnic zones coexist peacefully and the factors that engender this peaceful coexistence. In this edition, Spotlight will be on the Bogi people of Cross River State, southern Nigeria, cohabiting with the Ikwere people of River State, also in southern Nigeria. Do stay tuned. I am Okatahi Orjia, your guide. River State, with the capital, Port Harcourt, is at the heart of Nigeria's oil industry, with virtually all major multinational oil companies being represented there. The city is also known as the Garden City because of its array of parks and gardens. The people live a distinctive and colourful culture, although the state is populated with people of different cultural groups. The predominant indigents are the Iquiris, while other groups are the Ijaws, Kalabari, Ogunis and Ogwaz, amongst others. It might interest you to know that Ikwere is a local government area in River State and one of the many cultural groups in the Niger Delta region of Nigeria. They are considered a subgroup of the Igbo people of southeastern Nigeria and are peaceful and lower body citizens of River State. This has attracted other cultural groups and one of the reasons why people settle in the state is because of how peaceful it is due to the fact that security measures have been put in place to ensure that lives and property of both people of River State and other tribes in the region are safeguarded. Nathan Ehan is a trader who has been living in River State for over 10 years. He speaks of the state of security in Port Harcourt. Situation in River State was conducive because I found out that all the necessary apparatus were put in place. Uh, the security in River State, to a great extent, is guaranteed because outside the government's law enforcement agencies, communities have their own surveillance groups that were kept alive in. Uh, securing and watching the lives and properties of the various people. As explained by Nathan, 
The Kwere people are predominantly Christian and also known to be very hospitable and receptive. This and other factors have contributed to their peaceful coexistence with other tribes. They are hospitable. If you go to a community or a nation where you are a stranger, they welcome you and make sure all necessary provisions are made without molestation, harassment or showing any sentiments. Then they are hospitable. According to Thomas Boim, an education officer with the Federal Ministry of Education, Abuja, Nigeria's capital city, and also an indigent of Boki, one of the cultural groups coexisted with the indigents of River State is the Boki people of Cross River State in the south-south geopolitical zone of Nigeria. Cross River State is a coastal territory in the southern part of Nigeria, known for its green vegetation all year round and also has one of the most richly endowed agricultural lands in Nigeria. Boki is one of the cultural groups in Cross River known for its national and international reputation for being a major commercial center where forest and agricultural commodities such as palm products, coffee, cocoa and timber, to mention just a few, are sourced and supplied for international consumption. Aside Boki, which is our main focus, Cross River State has several cultural groups. The Boki people originated from the Bantu-speaking group that is from the uh, Congo Basin. They are specifically called the Ekoit Bantus. That is their own specification. And they move westward of the Congo Basin down and settled at uh, Nigerian Cameroon boundaries. From there, they move up towards the eastern Boki part where we have the present Ula. We have villages like Betrico, we have villages like Olam. Then we have other parts which settle at the undulating part, the Kaku, which is the present Sadok. Then Iran, eh, within the Boki as a local government. They are the highest in terms of the numerical strength. The Boki people are very hardworking and predominantly farmers. Traditional worship system, which was handed down from generation to generation, is unique and secret. Thomas Boim again mentioned some of the deities in Boki and what they represent. They were like deities uh, called Olam. Then there were other smaller deities, so like having a universal set and a subset. It was a deity where the Boki people were worshipping. Then between the other smaller deities that were affiliated to the Olam were like Odre. Farm. We have, and within the Odre, Odre was celebrated to commemorate royalty, like Inyati. There was a celebration of uh, Bokalom, which is a traditional dance in the, for that aspect of Odre to signify brevity. Thomas Boim further explained that the Boki people have their own culture and tradition which distinguishes them from others. Their dressing and body decorations are unique. Their cuisine stands out amongst other cultural groups with delectable dishes and soups peculiar to them. The three leaves yam is one of their delicacies. When it comes to dress culture in Boki, people have to do with rapper. Both men and women use rapper. The Boki nation has a way he types his rapper, like the like the way the Ghanaian types his rapper. Other dressing patterns like a gwen were used. Where in those days, but a gwen was specifically for the female gender. Where they use aluminium, they make it into segments, you know, spherical segments, whereby they can put ladies who have just put to bed for the first time and also there's also addition of uku uku was used you know to rub on the legs of uh, a lady who has just put to bed for the first time other cultural practices like in terms of uh, food the typical foods then that were 
eaten by the Buki people there was pike yam. They call it three-leaf yam. They will have uh, yam like atwaru. Uh, we ate things like kuku yam. Even in some festivals, like New Yam festivals and uh, Anobe festivals and some other festivals that are, are celebrated in Buki, the typical food that really proves that that is the Buki food is the kuku yam, the red kuku yam, and that red beans. The Buki people have a very rich culture which is displayed in their festivals and traditional dances. They have beautiful dances like the Kandan and Kokoma. right back after this break. Welcome back. You're listening to Bonds of Harmony. According to Paul Nyam, an indigent of Boki and a staff of Cross River State Liaison Office, he attributes his peaceful stay in River State to the accommodating and hospitable attitude displayed by the queries in River State. River State is a state that has a lot of opportunities in the areas of commerce. Basically, I came here for business and I'm doing it quite well. I go on my normal business peacefully. The indigents here are accommodative so far. You can only see their bad side when you step on their toes. This is my seventh year in Port Harcourt. I haven't had any cause of alarm. I'm getting used to some of new ways of life I find here. It's peaceful so far. It might interest you to know that the Boki people of Cross River State and the Quiri people of River State share certain similarities like inter-ethnic marriage. Nathan Egan tells us some of the factors that encourage peaceful coexistence between the two tribes. There are more similarities in terms of the foods. Pounded yam and uh, the afang soup. The Ikurian man also eats afang soup. Other feeding patterns like cocoa yam and Ikurian man as well eats cocoa yam. There are more similarities when it comes to the feeding aspect than the dresses. They are also associated foods that the uh, Ikurian man eats. So there are more similarities in terms of the feeding. The things like celebration of uh, burials in Ikurian land is a, a very serious issue or matter. I adopted to that by, unlike uh, like in my place in Buki where I come from, burials are not where we're not celebrated like that. You see, especially if a monarch dies in Ikoreland, you see that almost all the streets and everywhere around the roads will be closed. You see them, they will be demonstrating with machets and all kinds of things, regalias and everything. When it comes to that issue of celebration of burial, I really cherish their modes of celebration. Because burials there are highly celebrated. Then also, in, the, in terms of marriages, I also found out that an Aquarian indigenous sticks to a particular marriage. They have respect for marital institutions. Harmony and peace can be sustained when there is a conscious effort to promote it. Paul Nyam expresses his view on how indigenous cultural groups of any community should treat other tribes living with them. 
When someone goes to a community that is not yours, try as much as possible to stay away from any circumstances that will not lead you into trouble with those indigenous. For the indigenous of any community, I will say they should not discriminate. We are all Nigerians, irrespective of ethnicity or language. Let's walk. Let's walk. Let's walk. For better tomorrow. Mama, here. Let's walk. Let's walk. Let's walk. For better tomorrow. For better tomorrow. Let's walk. Let's walk. For better tomorrow. Walk on our Let's path. Walk. Let's walk for better tomorrow. Walk on our Let's walk. Let's walk. Let's walk. Dear listener, this is where we round up this edition of Bonds of Harmony. In it, we focused on the Bogi people of Cross River State living among the Igwere people of River State. Join us again for another exciting edition, same time next week. For comments and inquiries, contact the producer. Bonds of Harmony through our email address vonenglishproducers at gmail.com You can also listen to Voice of Nigeria via Simple Radio Radio Garden and TuneIn Radio The program was produced by Mercy Odu Sunday Additional was at the Audio Console I am Okatahi Ojia Thanks for listening From the towering heights of the Zuma Rock to the shimmering falls of the Kogosi live a people united for good. With a rich deposit of black gold as a footstool and engine room for growth. We speak with one voice that though tribes and tongues may differ, but like the whispering rushes of rivers Niger and Benue, we remain united for good. Nigeria. Good people, great nation. Nigerians, say no to violence. Let's rise and defeat violence, crime, and sabotage against the peace of our nation. Nigeria is the only country we have. We must do everything to keep it united. We must avoid any act that promotes hate and disintegration. For safety at home, still be security conscious. Educate your household. On safety.